Hello, and welcome to the Blog You Want in a Time You Have podcast, the show that empowers you to stop making excuses to not blog and realize the potential of content marketing. I'm your host, Scott Winteroth, co-founder of contentacademy.com. I invite you to join me each episode for actionable strategies for elevating your blog to the next level and hear from other content rock stars who will share with you exactly what keeps them on task so you can stop wishing for success and start living to your fullest potential. Ready? Three, two, one, publish. Well, what's up, everyone? It's Scott Winderoth here for another edition of Creator Life Live. Tonight, I'm really excited to welcome a very special guest interview that's going to world premiere right here on YouTube and Facebook. A conversation and interview I had with Valerie Morris, who is the founder and chief strategist behind Tintero Creative. Valerie is a creator, a digital marketer, a strategist. Actually, she started off her career as an architect, which I thought that was really interesting in terms of how she transitioned from being an architect into being a social strategist. So Valerie uh, and I talked earlier today, but we are both here and we're, we're listening online for anyone who has com- has questions or chats. We'd like to use our uh, chat feature. Feel free to ask questions and we'll be uh, around at the end. But this is it. Why don't I just go ahead and let Valerie uh, take it away. So let's go. Let's go. Let's see. Uh, here we go. One last thing, everyone, before we get started, I want to make sure that we we give a shout out to our sponsor, WordSpaces.com. WordSpaces is the place for you to get hosting for your next website, your next blog, or your next e-commerce shop. Because not only are we going to show you what to do, we're going to help you do it. This is not con- traditional hosting where you're just another, n- another number. WordSpaces is your team to help you learn how to build, manage, and grow successful websites. So check it out at WordSpaces.com. Uh, Valerie Morris. Valerie and I met actually online, which is we met through Twitter, right? So I found you yeah. on Twitter and, and uh, through Twitter. And yeah, I think that's a, a great a great place. Valerie is an is sort of like me, but but really killing it. She is an author, a speaker, someone who's a digital marketing strategist, and she really helps businesses sort of elevate their brand online, which is seems to be doing it right because that's how I found her. So Valerie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So Valerie, I know you, we, you've been in the business for a while and we were talking the other day and kind of talking about content, talking about digital marketing, talking about kind of the gamut of all the different things that, that we sort of have to do in the world of marketing these days. So I thought it'd be kind of a great place to start with just kind of giving a little bit of a backstory into how you got into the business. Um, I do know that that you were, I hope I can say this online. I hope you don't care. Yeah. I know you went to, to Judson College, which is in my yeah. hometown. We, did, we didn't know each other then, but I thought that was really cool. And, uh, but today you're in Colorado. So before, how, how did you get there? Like, what's the, the yeah. backstory to that? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and ended up uh, going to college about an hour from where I grew up. And um, I actually studied architecture of all things and didn't really have marketing necessarily on the brain. Although if I were to go back and do it all over again, I, I do think I would probably go for something that was a little less specialized. But at the time, I didn't, I didn't know that about myself. And um, I, loved, I loved my education. I loved architecture. I had a really great experience. I loved how stimulating it was. There was a lot of like left brain and right brain, a lot of technical plus the really cool design all combined. And if you ever go to any sort of art school or architecture was very much the same way, like they really have this high standard of, you know, like it's impossible to get an A 
in those classes because it's so so deep that you know an art professor is never going to give out an A. So it was just such a such a challenge, um, and they always expected perfection. So like every presentation I had to do you know, the building had to make sense, the structure needed to make sense, but then the presentation had to be pristine. And so in the process of all this, I learned great design. And I also learned how to use things like Photoshop and Illustrator and these 3D modeling programs. And they were never really taught to me. I just had to learn them. I was allowed to learn to use them, but no one ever taught us. So we would literally sit in the computer lab and ask each other questions like, Hey, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? We'd have to Google it. And so, um, so I, I had the design formal education, but then the hands-on like how to was all kind of just figured out. And around the same time, social media became a thing. It came out when I was in college and it was mainly just for, for regular students to use. And it wasn't until a few years after college when uh, between the economy kind of tanking with the big recession and just feeling a little bored in the internship type, like entry level roles and just looking at the industry, seeing how budgets were getting cut and a lot of the creativity and like the high intensity of deadlines and multitasking and left brain, right brain. I just wasn't getting that in my job. And so between the economy and that feeling that way in my, my roles, I just made sense to kind of try something different. And so I ended up taking the design background and pivoting it to do more graphic design stuff in marketing roles. And then because of my age and where social media was moving, um, you know, at the, at one point I was working in an ad agency and they were like, well, you're young you know how to use social media. We're in our, it was a bunch of uh, people in their sixties that were running the show there that they're like, we don't know how to do this. Do you want to do it? And so I got my feet wet doing social media strategy and marketing for uh, clients that were like big retail clients, high-end jewelry clients, um, just some really cool retail brands. Um, And it it was just this great opportunity again, similar to in school where it's like, there was no manual. There was no class on like how to do social media marketing. You just had to learn and do it. So you had to learn just the basics of the tool and then you just start playing with it and doing it. And, and it changes so fast that you have to be able to evolve and, and do those searches and, ask the friends next to you at the computer, if you will, um, you know, what are you doing that's working on this? And so I really got my feet wet, um, just kind of diving in there. And then within a couple of years, it just, it was very apparent that if you're going to do social media marketing, well, you need to be able to pivot and, and move more nimbly. You have to be very agile and, a lot of the traditional agency models, at least at the time, were not really set up to do that well. And so it made, it made sense for me to kind of break out and start doing more on my own. And around the time we had made a move uh, to Colorado. And so it was a good, just in our life, a good point for me to break away and start doing more freelance. And uh, it didn't take long to kind of build up more and more freelance work and more and more clients that needed social media help. 
And so, um, so now I, my agency, I, I've been doing it full-time for eight years and uh, we do essentially content marketing is what I explain to people. Um, it's authority building content that you use social media strategically to get it out to the world, but we're also doing social media strategy in a way where we're not just posting fluff. We're pointing people back to content that's going to help, uh, like you said, elevate the brand and help people uh, be seen as that authority. And so you have to have that original content, but you also need the social media platforms to help get it out. So they both kind of play hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it. And, and I love that you said like being nimble by knowing yeah. uh, the different programs. And and I, I love it because you and I kind of have a similar background, you know, with social media marketing, social media came out when I was in college, social media marketing kind of came out when I was like an entry level you know, PR marketing person. And, and it was like, Oh, Hey, you want to do this? Great. You do it. You know? And I had to beg, I had to beg to do it. Right. Our company, yeah. cause they didn't even want to do it at the time. You know, they're like, Oh, that's just going to be a, a thing that's going to, you know, come and go kind of thing, you know? And, and yeah, just like you, like learning Photoshop and like kind of knowing these programs to help sort of tell a story through graphics was a game changer for me. And it's something that I still very much need and use today. That's why um, there's lots of great programs like Canva and I'm, I'm not knocking any of these programs, but right. I think the cool kids like Valerie and I, we use programs like Photoshop though. Right? So. <laughs> well, I still, I actually use Canva a lot, um, <laughs> but it depends. Like there's certain things that Canva just cannot do. And if mm-hmm. you know how to use Adobe products, you, you know, the limitations of Canva and you can also spot like a non-designer and their post on social media. You can tell like, Oh, that person didn't really, they don't really fully understand like transparency in photos or white space and, you know, positive, negative and color theory, like just some of the basics where like, it's sometimes hard to teach that to somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's where like the art design background of the architecture degree, I I see come out all the time because I do jump in and I, I, I jump into things all the time um, to make graphics or, to make like gifts have become a really big thing to create for clients and use on social media just because they're smaller files than video. Um, but in some applications, they act like a video file. So you can get a little bit more exposure that way. And so like manipulating gifts has become a fun thing. Like I, sometimes I'm using Canva and Photoshop just because one's going to be faster than the other for a certain mm-hmm. thing I need to do. But yeah, there, it's amazing how many tools there are too. Like yeah. that's the fun thing now. Yeah. I think I love about Canva is like, if I'm in the car, I can do something. I mean, not driving, but like I can right. do it while I'm in my, on the phone. Whereas Photoshop is still the stalwart where I got to go on, you know, do it. Like I have to sit down and actually use it, but yeah, but yeah I love it. Also the architecture thing is awesome. I mean, I know I don't, I did not go to school for architecture or design. Right. But ultimately I love that you bring that up because ultimately a lot of times I think of myself as architecting a website or architecting mm. a content strategy. So do you feel that plays in it all a little bit when you're sort of designing a, 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 a property or something like that? Um, Not as much spatially, but mm. I do think just like, when I was referencing like the left brain, right brain stuff, mm-hmm. like I just feel like the um, there's so much that's technical about marketing where you have to be focused on like, you know, the Facebook pixel and making sure that your analytics are running and making sure that you're watching to see like what posts are performing best. But then there's also this creative side to marketing where it's, you know, you get to 
think about what's going to be most engaging, what's going to be uh, a, an enjoyable experience. And that's very similar to architecture where there's a lot of technical stuff that has to happen for a building to, to work well. But then there's like something that sometimes you walk into a space and you can't fully explain it, but you know, it's good design. And so I, I, I feel that tension in marketing and, and honestly, for me, like, I just, I love the fact that I can be creative, but I also can, can focus on some of those numbers. It's a nice balance for me. Yeah. Great point. Like user experience. In fact, I even mentioned that, like, um, we design websites sort of like, you know, and you're welcome to pick this apart, but like, uh, and actually the mall, you probably went to Spring Hill mall. I used to work at the mall. Right. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I used and, to go there all the time. From that wall, right. Yeah. Right. 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 in Elgin there. So, um, but I, I try to explain like, malls are engineered and designed for a typical customer experience. Like people come in and like, they're, they're literally like people purchase premium properties for premium exposure. Right. And websites are sort of websites and social and, and content and, and social media is like all like that as well. Of course we could go down the rabbit hole. No, that's a great analogy. Yeah. I but, had um, never thought about it that way, but that yeah. is a really great way to explain it. Yeah. It's like we're, our lives are engineered that way. So our, digital properties are becoming that way as well you know yeah um that's why i think it's interesting architecture is an interesting mesh that although i think that you said you may do it you maybe would have picked different things i think it was perfectly set up that way but that's you know for you in your your background no well and i think i think too just like the freedom to know that just because you went to school for one thing doesn't mean you have to stick with it and I will say I did not go the full route to get my master's. I was like this close to -hmm. going back and getting my master's in architecture. And if I had done that, it would have been a lot harder for me to say, okay, I'm going to just throw that out the window and go down this marketing path. Um, So I'm, I'm really grateful that like the way my program was set up, you went for your bachelor's and then you went out for a year to do some internship hours. Cause you have to do, they call you an intern for like, I don't know, five, seven years or whatever till you get, you're able to take your licensing exams. Mm-hmm. And so you have to get a certain number of hours. So all that said, you go and do internship hours and then you come back for like a year uh, or like a year and a half kind of, of a master's program. So those internship hours are part of the requirement to graduate with your master's. So I had gone out and done that real world ex- experience for a little bit. And that's where I kind of was like, oh, I don't know about this. And I'm really grateful that I, that I had that. Um, and this skill set, like just the, the juggling of all the different projects. And um, again, that left brain, right brain, being able to switch and turn off one side, be focused real technical, but then switch gears and be real creative. Um, and then having that perfectionist mindset towards the deliverable. I think all of those things really set me up well to be able to go in and, and think about going off on my own because I, I could handle deadlines. I could self-manage. I could, um, you know, be creative, but I could also get really technical with client. And then I also, um, just learned like how to execute like a good product. It didn't have to be a hundred percent perfect because that's impossible. Right. But mm-hmm. to get as close to that in a short amount of time. So I learned how to be efficient in how I produced work. And so there's a lot, I honestly, I feel like I use my architecture degree and that experience more now than I ever did actually working in the field. I mean, there it was more technical and more like what you would maybe the obvious way, like, oh yeah, I was drawing floor plans and measurements all day long. 
Um, but as far as like what my degree in education, I feel like I apply it more in marketing and having my own business more today. Awesome. And I, I agree too that as much as we can relate it to architecture, architecture at the same time, this ain't architecture either. I mean, sometimes I guess you wouldn't have to be so, you don't have to be so precise with some yeah. of this stuff, which is great, you know, uh, yeah. in some ways. And I'm, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with lots of people and you're dealing with lots of clients or you're trying to get something done and you're a one man shop a lot of times, so sometimes you just got to get it out there, right? You got to push yeah. it out into, into the world. So, and that you, you kind of hinted on where I, where I really would like to get to now is, as you know, yeah. this podcast and in in my interviews a lot and myself, I'm a productivity nerd. I love talking about <laughs> tips and tools and how to manage all this craziness that we, that we right. work on every single day. So you started to hint on this. Um, I know that you're, you're recently a new mother and stuff like that. So can you, <laughs> running your own agency, like, can you give us a little idea? What is a day like for you today? And how do you manage, how do you manage all, everything you do? Like all your awesomeness, like you're everywhere. It's like, so how do you oh, do gosh. that? How do I manage the awesomeness? I, I've never had anyone <laughs> ask me it that way. So today I am actually like, I'm rocking the caffeine right now um, because it was a very early morning. Um, yeah. So I'll just say like, Anybody that you're looking at that appears to be doing it all is honestly probably not doing it all themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we right now I've got, I've got an amazing mom who fortunately lives near us and is helping us with childcare today. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that I could do a recorded interview like this or meetings with clients without having childcare. And I know a lot of people work from home and they're able to, work around things. Um, and there are some days of the week that I, I kind of dance that dance, but I, I have designated days where I block out time where I do not have to worry about working around a nap schedule or things like that. So that's really important. Um, the other thing is, you know, in prepping to be out and I will say my maternity leave was maybe, maybe a month, um, Mm -hmm. of truly being out. Um, And even with that said, like I was always still available if there were emergencies. Um, I really worked hard in the months leading up to my daughter being born to have uh, some people on my team. So I've got contractors uh, that that work for me. Um, I have people on my team that were set up ready to handle certain things while I was out. And while I've taken back control of my inbox and have started meeting with clients as they've needed to. And some of the, there's certain parts of the processes that I'm still a hundred, I'm now a hundred percent back in. There's still some parts of the process that I have kept those contractors um, involved in. I didn't, I didn't take that work back from them for the most part. And, And now I'm still involved as far as like, I'm looking at it more, I'm providing input on it, but a lot of the stuff about making sure that the balls don't get dropped is because I have people who that's their like main focus is to make sure that the job gets done. And then I can still be a part of the conversation, but it's not reliant on me for meeting that deadline. So that's been another like key thing for me. Um, I will say like, just as far as like productivity goes, like we use, um, right now we're using Agora Pulse, but we use like a scheduling third-party tool to be able to collaborate between internally team members, but also with the client so they can view things easily um, and approve things. I also love Google's scheduling capabilities. So 
I have all of our work emails set up to run through uh, the Gmail interface or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we can schedule an email to go out in the future. So reminders for things of like, Hey, just a friendly reminder that all of your social media posts are ready to go. And here's the link to view them. Like we can schedule all of that ahead of time. Um, And so if there's a day where I just know I'm not really going to be available, but I want this information or this reminder to go out, I can schedule it ahead where I can be working on the weekends or, you know, late at night Mm -hmm. and set it up to go out during the daytime so that people aren't one. I I don't want people (laughs) to think that I'm always available (laughs) (laughs) and going to be working on the weekends all the time because it doesn't happen that often. Um, But, you know, just also just so that they're getting stuff in like, I want to be respectful of their time too. So it's not paying them when they're supposed to be off. Um, And then the other thing too, is I use an invoicing software and that saved me a ton of time. The first couple of years I was in business, I did all of my invoicing manually. And at some point I got to the point where I was like, I just need, I need to invest in this. This has to be something I, I pay for. My time is worth too much to keep doing this manually. And the software I use right now allows me to set up recurring invoices. So Mm -hmm. if I'm working with a client month after month, and we're kind of on a retainer model where the amount is the same each month, it's really easy for me. I don't have to even create an invoice in the software. It just automatically goes out for the client and it just makes things so much easier. Like (laughs) it's, it's worth it to invest in some of these softwares. Um, if, if your time is worth more than the cost of the software for one hour, like it's worth it for your time. So um, those are just a few things that have made my life a little more sane in the midst of all the craziness. That said, you know, today I was up uh, about two hours earlier than normal, went to bed really late last night. Um, I'm going to be dragging later today and, and that's okay. Not every day is going to be like that. So and, and I did get lucky. My baby sleeps. So <laughs> <laughs> I know if she wasn't sleeping, there's no way I could be doing as much as I'm doing now. Yeah. I know for me, this week is a tough week because this is the, where we're, we're talking on March 18th and the time just changed. Like we had the hour of the sure. spring. And this week has been a very tough week for me in my terms of. We're all dragging. Extra hour early. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, I almost got into a car accident the other day oh, no. and I was like, oh my gosh, this is because of the time change. I hate it. So, uh, uh yeah, no, I mean, it was fine. It was, you know, nothing, nobody got hurt or anything. It just was, yeah. like, I caught myself, you know, but, but ultimately also the, the idea of recurring invoices. I know I used to, every month I used to sit down on the first and have to go through all the invoices, do all that stuff. And I just, now I'm starting to try to automate all of them. And it's like, even though it, you're like, oh, it's something like, oh, it just takes an hour once a month. It's not that big of a deal. But, you know, as you as your business grows, like it takes more time and you got to deal with it more. So, yeah, I agree. I think automation of invoices, even though it seems trivial, it's huge. You know? Yeah. So, um, well, I, I hate doing it. <laughs> so I know I, I always dreaded it, too. I hate dealing with with the money side of things. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it yeah, it's still to this day is an annoying thing for me. But so at first I was paying for, um, another software, um, for mm. many years. I, there were, I don't know, three, four years I was paying for it. Um, it wasn't anything crazy, but it was definitely one of those things that like I had to choose to pay to use it. And then they all of a sudden out of, out of nowhere gave me, uh, an email that said, Hey, the, the price is going up. 
uh, on your next invoice. And it was almost double. Mm. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't really like the fact that you didn't give me, you, you didn't give me barely 30 days notice that this was going up. And it was double, like it wasn't even just like a little bit of an increase. So it, it just irritated me. So I was like, I'm going to look for something else. Yeah. yeah. And I ended up finding wave. Have you okay. ever tried wave? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. It's a hundred percent free. That's okay. a thing. Um, and at first I was like, well, you get what you pay for, right? Like a free software, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing. Like it, it yeah. is the use. I mean, it, with any software, like you have to get used to what yeah. it looks like and how it operates but it syncs with my bank account. So I can do all of my profit and loss stuff at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I can do recurring invoices. I can have a client, I can accept any type of credit card. Like it's just so versatile um, and it's free. So, I mean, granted, I take and this a is a non, non-paid endorsement, everyone. Just to be Yeah, <laughs> I am not. I'm not an influencer yeah. or yeah, ambassador right. or anything for them. It is just 100%. Like I've yeah. been, I think I've been using it now for three years and it has been just a breath of fresh air for me. Um, so, so yeah, if you're looking for something to save you a little bit of time, Wave would be a great thing to yeah. implement. That's great. And the price is right. And I know that's the price one is thing right. I was going to say that with invoicing software, which we're, com- we're completely in a minute Sorry. Of our business. No, it's just great. <laughs> Productivity, this is, this though. Is, the truth is most of us have to deal with this, right? And it's one yeah. thing I hate doing, you hate doing. And it's it's just because I always hate charging people for my creativity. And I don't, I should get over that. But yeah. it's like, you know, they need to pay for it at the end of the day. But I always feel bad when I'm charging. Even if it's a dollar, I feel bad, you know? But I know. That, but that's like, but either way, what I think I've noticed though, the more clients you get, the more invoice, the more time that stuff takes. So it may mm-hmm. seem like a lot of money at the very beginning, but uh, although wave is free or, or whatever you're using QuickBooks, you're using yeah, whatever, Zero, you're, whatever using. you're using, like, it seems like I'm a lot of money in the beginning, but honestly, if you want to grow a business, you need to invest early because that, you're mm-hmm. going to expect that business to grow. Right. But well, but- and I heard this in a webinar a couple years ago, and it just was talking about the concept of like your time and investing time. And it wasn't necessarily spending time, it was investing it. And that that word change is really important because if you're investing your time, yes, you're taking time up front, but it's going to pay off later, right? Just like you Mm -hmm. invest money. Spending doesn't necessarily have a return for you. So when once I shifted that mindset, it was the same. I, I think about this all the time. Like when I spend time putting together uh, training documents for a contractor or laying out a strategy for a client thing up front. If I can get it out of my head and into down on paper, it takes a little bit of time, but if it saves me time in the long run, it's worth it. Yeah. Especially investing time into uh, contractors or people who can help you. It's mm-hmm. so easy to want to do it yourself, especially mm-hmm. when you have attention to detail like yourself, yep. but sometimes you got to give it up. Right. And it's a, one of the hardest things to do, but the truth is like, it's one of the best things, li- most liberating things you can do too, is yeah. giving up portions of stuff that you don't really have to do. You know, that's only the only way you can scale your content team. The only way you can scale your business. Right. In my opinion. Yeah. Well, and, and it also just like, it makes things so much easier for you too. Like it doesn't mean that you can't be creative, but it allows you by setting up processes and some of this structure up front, I think it gives you the ability to be consistent in your brand message. And you can have creativity when you create maybe some templates or, you know, create that brand strategy up front. 
but then it gives you this structure. So then like, you know, this time last year, I remember, um, you know, COVID hitting the world and all of a sudden, like there was like a week or two's worth of content that we had to completely pivot for almost every single client and take a, a new look at. But because most of the structure was already there, we could drop what we were doing Mm-hmm. And focus on like the thing in the, right in front of us. And so, and that happens a lot in social media and, and things like that. So, you know, you think about things like the ALS bucket challenge, you know, there's things that trend on social media that you can take advantage of. And if you're paying attention, if you have the mental space to be able to pay attention for those things, you can find really cool opportunities to get noticed and get your, your brand out and do some creative fun things. But if you're living day to day, just trying to like, Oh, I've, you know, I, I don't have the processes in place to be able to have any mental margin. Mm-hmm. You're going to miss those, those opportunities. And I think that that actually is a, my, my final question for you. I wanted to ask you, yeah, there's lots of opportunity every day. There's new apps like Clubhouse. There's new mm-hmm. apps coming up. There's there's existing stalwarts like podcasting and YouTube like we're doing right now. I mean, do you have any ad- ideas or advice for like, if someone's sitting down, do I, do, it may be just getting started even today. Do I go all in on a new platform like Clubhouse or do I try to stick with what I'm doing or what would you, and this is partially for my own opinion because sure. I struggle with this myself, <laughs> but what do you think? I mean, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think, um, the biggest thing is you need to pay attention to like, where, where is your network hanging out? Are your customers over on clubhouse, for example? Um, or is it all your peers? Um, I struggle with this just being in the marketing space because Mm -hmm. marketers tend to flock to the new thing and, and rightly so like we need to test it out, check it out, see what's going to be an option for our clients. So sometimes I go on some of these things and I feel like, all I'm doing is talking to my own people. And I'll be honest, like that does nothing for your, well, it doesn't do nothing, but it does very little for your business. If you're just talking to your peers, sometimes you can get um, business referrals out of, you know, having those relationships with other peers. So that's why I kind of tweak that a little bit. Um, But, you know, if your customers and your clients are all over on Facebook and they're not doing the audio thing. Like why waste your time? Unless you're trying to be like a speaker or a trainer or something like that. Um, Don't, don't uh, obsess about the new thing. I mean, unless you really love it, but I just think so many people just need to take a smart, hard look at where are my customers? Where are my clients? And sometimes people don't like, the answer, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, Hey, people are over on, you know, LinkedIn, for example, like yeah, if you're in LinkedIn. a B2B <laughs> space, like, I mean, a lot of my clients are on LinkedIn and thankfully I enjoy LinkedIn. I enjoy the, 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 the tone over there, but I know some people that they're like, but I really want to be over on Instagram and that's, it feels more fun and more flashy. And I'm like, well, great, but are you getting any clients out of your Instagram strategy, you know, whereas if you're an e-commerce brand, for example, and you're selling widgets, LinkedIn might do nothing for you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's kind of like, okay, you can have a presence there. You could have a profile, have a business profile, whatnot, but you don't need to obsess about it. 
Um, and so for people like you and me, I, like I've definitely played around on clubhouse. It's been hard for me to dive into it just with, um, with having had a baby, mm-hmm. um, and knowing like, I can't schedule a clubhouse on certain days of the week or a clubhouse right. room on certain days of the week. Cause I don't know if I'm going to have a crying baby in the background. Um, and also like, while I enjoy audio, I often will listen to, uh, to podcasts and things like that well after they air. It's very rare that I listen to something live. So Clubhouse like hasn't fully resonated with me 100%. That said, I've had some really great experiences in Clubhouse when I have been able to join in. So, you know, it's, but I've been intentional to, to use it, even though it's not part of my natural schedule right now mm-hmm. um, in this season of life. Because my clients need to, like, I need to be able to tell my clients, hey, this is a potential opportunity for you. Um, Or, hey, I wouldn't waste my time on it for you. Like, I need to be able to say that intelligently. So, you know, if if you're in a position where you're giving out advice like that, you do need to play around with the the app or, you know, with that new shiny object and try it out. Well, I definitely have to follow you on Clubhouse too and see what's going on. So, yeah. Also, the thing about Clubhouse too, it's only for, I believe it as of today, it's still only for the iOS platform. Which right. Makes it difficult because yeah. most of my clients are on Androids or that kind of thing. So, well, um, again, yeah. they don't have to, they don't have to stress about it. I think the other thing too is just like giving yourself the freedom to say, like, I don't have to be over on every single new, new thing. And that's okay. Um, and we've been playing this game with social media ever since it came out. Like there's always going to be something new and shiny that you could be spending your time on. And, but at the same time, like you've got to have a balance between your marketing and then actually doing the work. So you can't be everywhere to every person all the time. You've got to make some decisions. Right. That's, that's some great advice. Thank you, um, Valerie. Hey, look, I want to wrap this up with one final question. How can people get in touch with you? What, what's the best place? Obviously, LinkedIn. You mentioned LinkedIn, so I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll mention that, but give us a little, give us the the deets on where they can find you, more information on you. Sure. Yeah. So my company is called Tintero Creative. That's like a window tint Tintero. So Tintero Creative. Um, so you can find me anywhere uh, on social media with that. There are not many um, English speaking companies using that, even in the Italian world, which is an Italian word there aren't a ton of companies using that brand. So if you look up Tintero um, and it's, uh, it's actually Italian for inkwell. So the concept of like telling your story and whatnot. So, uh, but that's a whole nother backstory, but yeah, <laughs> find me at, with, on Tintero creative. And of course you can always search for me, Valerie Morris. There's a few of us out there, but um, if you look for me with the straight hair, you'll probably find me. And then um, if you want, we didn't touch about this touch on this at all either, but um, if you want to see any of our fun antics, uh, on our little, uh, wannabe homestead ranch. Um, you can follow me, uh, and look for simple life vibes. So, um, you can see some of the stuff that we do offline as well. Cool. And it's on, is that a blog or is that a, a Instagram or it's a blog and Instagram at simple cool. life vibes. That's great. I, we should have talked about that next time, next, next time, next, next time, time you yeah. can find out, find out yeah. how I got into having goats and chickens and bees and tractors and all that fun stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That sounds great. Well, Valerie, uh, it's been awesome to speak with you and I appreciate you taking the time. I know, uh, being a mother and, and stuff like that is, is awesome. And I, I really do appreciate you taking time and, and that's a wrap. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me.
All right, everyone. It's Scott again. Hey, that was an excellent interview with Valerie Morris. I think she really dropped some good nuggets on how to sort of thrive in the social marketing, digital marketing, freelancing space. Uh, she talked about some, you know, I, I wrote down some notes to share with you as a recap here. You know, one, being flexible, being flexible in your career, being flexible in your mindset, being flexible in your day-to-day -day work will ultimately help you be one of the best creators and, and producers in this business. Uh, she talked about how she transitioned from architecture to marketing and that worked for her and that there's lots of principles and skills that she learned, learned along the way. But I think what was important is that she has a growth mindset and that she's always constantly evolving her skills and learning how to do stuff through, um, you know, through the hard knock of way of just bailing forward and, and doing learning how to do it as she goes. Also, I think that's how she's sort of growing her business now is that she's learning how to scale her business. She's learning how to um, work with other uh, other freelancers, other uh, subcontractors who help her grow her business and manage her schedule when she's not able to do all of it exactly herself. And finally, really working and automating parts of her business that she doesn't need to do with, with. And if you're able to do all that, I think one of her fantastic points is if you're able to do all that, get some other help, get some automations going you're able to really open up and create space for yourself to be your most creative self. And, and you all know I love talking about creativity. That's a whole other Creative Live episode in itself. But really, when you, get, when you get rid of the junk, you can focus on doing your best work. And when you're able to do your best work, that's really ultimately how you're going to scale and grow your business. So I hope you find this interview useful. Please be sure to like and subscribe to this video on YouTube and be sure to ring the bell if you want to get updates when we post new things. We've got lots of great videos coming. Also, this is going to be packaged up and put into a podcast. If you love podcasts, you like to listen to them on the go. I know I do. Go to blogyouwant.com or on contentacademy.com. You can link to it from both places. But ultimately, go to blogyouwant.com and you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcatcher service. Or you can check out, uh, you know, you can just listen to it right on the website as well. So thank you so much for watching. Be sure to tune in every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central Time for Career Life. And that's it for this week. That's a wrap. See you next week.